welcome to the Teen Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy, and today we have a interview with Dorothy Johnson, and she is the breakup coach, and so I'm excited to get into that and play that for you guys today. Also, I wanted to remind you that my group class for ages 14 to 17, it starts tonight. So it's not too late to sign up for that. If you guys still want to sign up, we start at five o'clock Pacific Standard Time. So just go to my website, knowingup.com, and you can sign up there. And I'm super excited. This group is going to be a super fun group. Okay, let's get into this interview, you guys. Welcome to the podcast today. I have a guest on today who I'm so, so excited to have. I'm actually in love with her work because of what she teaches. And I just think it's such great information that she teaches to her clients and the people that she works with. And so I get so many questions on this topic very often from teens. And so I was like, why don't I have Dorothy A.B. Johnson? Is that how you, I love, I, I've always seen it as Dorothy A.B. Johnson. So you're just like Dorothy A.B. Johnson to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. I saw it on the life coach school podcast that they posted it like that. And I'm like, this is so funny because if I, if it was my preference, I would just go by breakup coach Dorothy. I'm like, I would just rather go by that, but it's, um, you can just call me Dorothy. That's fine. Okay. Well, I'll call you Dorothy. I've just known you in my head for so long as like Dorothy, A.B. Johnson. (laughs) I think there's so many Johnsons that I was like, I have to use my middle initials. Okay. A.B. What does (laughs) A.B. stand for? Abigail Blaine. Ooh, I like that. Such a cute name. Very cool. Okay. So you guys, Dorothy, the breakup coach is she's actually, I want to call her the breakup expert. And I get a lot of questions from you guys about like breaking up and relationships and all those kind of things. And so I was like, please come on the podcast and help out the team listeners. And she's being so generous and giving her, giving us her time today to come and talk to you guys. And so I've got a lot of questions for her that you guys have sent me. But before we get into questions and talking about like what you guys want to know from her, I want her to tell you her story because I think it's, I think it's a good story to just start with, to help you guys get to know her a little bit. So Dorothy, tell us how you even became the breakup coach (laughs) and you landed where you're at and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, I would love to. It's so crazy because when I first started coaching, breakup coaching was not a thing. It's like, what is that? So um, anyways, I, so when I was 26 years old, I was, I had graduated from grad school. Um, I had been working like my big girl job uh, as an, as a consultant for a large consulting firm. And then my boyfriend at the time who I had met in undergrad, we had been dating for seven years He and I moved back to Florida, which was kind of the place that we always dreamt we would be. And when we moved back to Florida, we got a house, we moved in two months later, I had to go back to Chicago to do some work stuff. And he broke up with me on the phone. And I was like super devastated because at that time I'm like, yes, we're moving back. We've got the house. We're going to get married. We're going to have babies. I, I just thought everything was fine and dandy and going so well. And then for him to break up with me on the phone so suddenly while I was in Chicago, I was super devastated and very upset and angry with the way it was done. I'm a very stubborn person. 
So I decided to like find an apartment while I was there in Chicago to move into and get settled in. And then I said, I would come get my stuff anytime he was gone from the house. So a month later he had to go to town for something. And I was like, I'm going to go get my things that weekend that you're out of town. And when I went back to the house to get my stuff, he had piled it all in the front room. And there was already another woman staying there every night since I had left. So not only was I experiencing like the grief and the loss and the sadness of losing what felt like my best friend, I was very angry and resentful and felt extremely betrayed um, because of this new girl who just seemingly swooped in and took the life that I had worked so hard for. For seven years, we had been building this life together and I felt like she just swooped in and took it from me. So It was very difficult. It was a very difficult time in my life. I spent about a year Googling, how do you get over your ex? How do you forgive and let go? How do you move forward when your ex moved on faster than you? I Googled all the things and I didn't just like not do anything for the year and a half. I spent that entire year and a half actually applying everything that Google said. And a year and a half later, I still felt so angry and resentful. And at that point, I had found myself in a new relationship with a new person. And I was noticing very similar patterns in my behavior um, when it came to jealousy and insecurity and feeling like he was cheating on me and just crazy things like that, that weren't actually happening. I was just making it up in my mind. And that's when I knew like, there's something that I'm not getting. There there is something that is unhealed that I'm not getting. I'm still making decisions, trying to get my ex's attention, like posting something on Instagram being like, Oh, this will get his attention. Or like, if I do this, maybe this will get his attention. And I'm in a new relationship at this point. So yeah. And he'll feel this way. If he sees this, sees that I'm doing this. Right. Right. And so, um, long story short, I find found the life coach school podcast, which taught me that thoughts create feelings. And she was talking about forgiveness. Brooke Castillo was talking about forgiveness, which was super helpful for me as well, because I wasn't letting go of the anger and the resentment because I thought that if I continued to feel angry and resentful, he would be affected by that. Like he would at some point realize that what he did wasn't okay. And I felt like if I let go of the anger and resentment, then I was righting his wrong. And I didn't feel like that was okay either. So when I realized that, forgiving someone just simply meant that I got to no longer feel angry and resentful. It was so much more freeing and I didn't have to agree with what he did. I didn't have to say that it was okay or that what happened was okay. I just got to say, I'm no longer going to hold feelings of anger and resentment about this because I think going back a little bit too, where what I was making this whole breakup mean about me was that he never loved me. I was like, if you can move on that quickly, clearly you never loved me which is simply a false statement that my brain really latched onto and focused on and chewed on for a very long time. So when I realized that the thoughts were optional and then I got to decide on what stories I was telling myself about the breakup and stop making the breakup mean all these terrible things about me as a person is when I realized there was freedom. And that's when I was like, this is not on Google. Yeah. <laughs> when I, when I went through all the Google articles, this is not on Google. I could not find this information forever ago. 
it shouldn't take time to heal your heart. That was something I was told a lot was that it's just going to take time. But I was like, it's been a year and a half, you guys. And I still feel exactly the same. And I've done like a number of things. Time has nothing to do with it. So it really became my mission in this lifetime to help as many people as I possibly can understand that healing heartbreak is not all the things on the internet. It doesn't have to do with the no contact rule. It's not about time. It's not about distracting yourself or staying busy. It is so much bigger than that. And you can use your heartbreak to completely transform your life into something that you truly want and learn how to no longer feel attached to other, other human beings. And that's really, I was like, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life is this. And that's when breakup coach Dorothy was kind of formed. Yeah. I love how you were able to focus in on the thought, like he never loved me where I think that's, that's so powerful. A lot of the girls that I work with, you know, when they have a breakup or in their in a relationship, the thought is I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And, and taking that thought and meaning that because that relationship is no longer, or you weren't quote unquote chosen, it means that you're not good enough. And then using that, that belief system for everything in your life, which Mm kind of messes you up. (laughs) Yes. And you carry that for so long. Right. And it's so like, I was just telling you before we hit the record button here, but I'm just so, so glad you are doing this work with individuals who are, you know, in between 13 and 18. Cause I'm just like, if I could have learned this information so long ago, like, I wonder what would be different in my life. Like, I'm glad I learned it at my age, but for someone to learn it between 13, I'm like, they are going to have such a great ROI when it comes <laughs> to emotional maturity. I hope yeah, so. your, your enoughness has nothing to do with the heartbreak, with the breakup, what your ex did or didn't do your enoughness is never the problem. Mm-mm. Yeah. I love, I love that. Your enoughness is not the problem. I, I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable here a little bit, and maybe you won't feel vulnerable because this is what you do, but I kind of want to hear all the things that you did wrong <laughs> when, yeah. when you were trying to get over your ex, because I think that's so relatable to even just like teens. And I think that they'll understand like, oh my gosh, I'm doing that right now. Or (laughs) I just want to hear what, what are the things that you quote unquote did wrong to try to get over him? Because I know, I know we kind of go a little bit crazy when (laughs) when we're trying a little bit, (laughs) maybe you only go a little bit. Okay. Well, I I have done big crazy. And I was actually thinking about this earlier today when I was thinking about talking with you and I was like, I had a really hard breakup in high school. Uh, with like the quarterback of the football, he was so hot and he was so cool and everyone loved him. And I, I really thought about this. And one of the things that I think we all try to do and during a breakup, especially when we were the one that was left, like when we're the one that got broken up with is we try to change reality. We think that if we can like change someone's view of us or something like that, we can change their opinion and their action. Meaning if I can get them to see something different, they might love me or they might want to actually be with me instead of, well, I will talk about instead of, but before we move on to that and what that looks like, at least for me, my crazy would be like calling this person a million times to explain myself. (laughs) right? (laughs) To explain the situation, to explain my viewpoint. 
um, arguing with them, trying to defend myself, trying to convince them to understand my viewpoint. And it's so hard because, and I, I like get it. Like, I remember going back to that time. I'm like, if I could have just spoken to him and like explained what really was going on and he would get it, then we would still be together. And that's just not the case. So when it comes to things I was doing wrong, I was trying to change reality. I was trying to change things that I couldn't change. I was trying to control things that I couldn't control. And then when it came to more tangible stuff, I'm like, I tried all the things I tried traveling. Like I traveled a lot to see if I could get enough new experiences. I would take pictures of those really cool things to try to see if he would like regret leaving my life and be like, Oh my God, she's so cool. I worked out really well. Like I I worked out and got really, I was like, I look hot. I have this hot bod. And maybe if I get hot enough, he'll, he'll come back. Right. He'll be like, dang, look at what I lost. (laughs) It, and so, and as I'm saying all this, it's, it's coming clear to me, actually, as we're talking about it, it's like, I was trying to change myself for him. Yeah. I was trying to make myself into something that he would like, instead of changing myself into what I wanted and what I liked. And I actually posted something on Instagram. I got engaged recently and congratulations. thank you. Thank you. And someone mentioned with like all the stuff in the past led me to be able to be in this relationship and to this point. And I'm like, absolutely it did. But really what happened was I became everything that I wanted and someone else. So I became everything that I wanted. And then the relationship just got to be the cherry on top. And there was no expectation tied to this relationship. It just is like for fun because I am already everything that I want to be and what I want in my life. And so when I think back to all my breakups, it was like, I felt that if this person wasn't in my life, I wouldn't get what I wanted. And so I was focused on all the wrong things. And I think going back to your original question, waiting for time, that was something that I did wrong, right? Where I was just waiting to see if time would change my thoughts, distracting myself and staying busy. Oh my gosh. I literally look back on this and I have no idea how I did this, but I would wake up at four 30 in the morning, commute into work, go to yoga, go to the, to my work and then meditate journal and then do work and then get off work, go to the gym again, go home, prep for the next day, go to sleep and get up and do it all over again. And seemingly that seems like productive, right? You're like, oh, you're on top of it. You're like doing your life. You're dedicated to your goals, committed, but I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. And I was just trying to avoid how I was feeling. I was trying to avoid all the thoughts that I didn't know that thoughts created feelings at the time, but I was just like, if I'm not busy, I'm thinking about it. So I need to stay busy. And so that is one big thing that I see is I don't think it's a problem when it comes to like making changes and showing up for yourself. And I think that's great, but look at where it's coming from. Is it coming from, if I'm not busy, then I'm going to think about it and it's bad. You're trying to avoid, you're trying to avoid yourself basically. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're avoiding all the emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I was just one, one thought I was thinking of when you were talking about, was like, I don't know how old you are, but Back in my day, like in order to kind of like stalk somebody, you literally had to get in the car and drive by their house instead of like going on Instagram or, or seeing like what they're doing on social media. But I just remember Mm -hmm. back in the day, like I would get in my car and like literally just like 
drive by my ex's house and see like, oh my gosh, what girl is he having over today? Or like, who's he out with or who's he with, you know, but just kind of like one of those things where you're focused on what they're doing in their life and how they're living their lives rather than focusing on, on yourself. Yes. And that, um, we didn't have, I want to (laughs) say, I'm like, there was AOL or, or MSN (laughs) messenger. I think, was it called MySpace? I think we had like MySpace pages that we could like change the music on the background or something, Uh but we were never like on those things. I think Facebook was later on in my high school years, but I'm also just so grateful that my childhood was not documented on the internet. That brings a whole other layer. Um, but yeah, in high school, it was, I would call him over and over and over again, trying to get a hold of him. And that was when we didn't have cell phones. So if the phone was busy, I was like, he's on the phone with another girl. What's going on? What's happening? Or I would call him and his mom would answer and be like, you've really got to stop calling. (laughs) (laughs) And then in my breakup, um, when I was 26, I'm 31 now, but when I was 26, we did have social media. Um, my ex wasn't super present on social media except for Facebook. And that was really hard. It adds a whole nother layer. I was talking to my dad. He's a psychologist. And I remember having a conversation with him about this because he was like, door, I just, you have a whole extra layer of information that I didn't have. Like when I broke up with a girlfriend, I wouldn't know what she was doing, where she was, what was going on, but you continuously torture yourself by looking at his Facebook and watching him with his new girlfriend, because he would post about his new girlfriend. They're doing all these things that I had already, we had talked about these dates and he was doing them with this person. And it was just like a constant reminder and a constant reiteration of experience. And, and I'm sure your clients do this too, but, and maybe even you have, but like the daydreaming and the ruminating about how you might do something. Um, or I should have said that in that situation or why did, why didn't I do that? Oh yes, Mm -hmm. for sure. (laughs) Yes. And then even future events, like I have a lot of clients who are like concerned about, um, that person going on to date someone new and they constantly obsess over it and they constantly think about it. And that's not getting you closer to getting over your ex either. And then I think about, I kept having this, this is so funny. I've never said this to anyone else. Oh, this is new information to the world. I used to have this daydream about pulling up in this like really expensive Escalade and having bodyguards and walking up to the house and somehow like having this big speech about how amazing I am (laughs) and being like, I want my dog back and I'm taking my dog and I will see you later. (laughs) Like this whole thing. And it's just so funny how much we make up in our mind. And I I I bring all of that up because it's very important that we recognize that even though it's locked up inside of our mind, it feels real. Um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza is really great. And he provides all the science behind thoughts, create feelings. And there've been so many studies about how you can simply visualize and and think about something and your body doesn't know that it's not real, that it's not happening. So the more often you think about your ex with someone new and you feel that nervous panic, your body doesn't know that it's not actually happening. Or the more you think about 
having this conversation with your ex and you have all these feelings come up, your body doesn't know that it's not happening. Same thing with reiterating the past. So, oh, I should have said this. I should have done that. Your mind is thinking it, but your body feels it as if it's happening right then and there. And that's really important to understand because the more you think and feel that way is the more, like you're going to create that reality. Um, and you'll just create and perpetuate the problem instead of finding a solution. I kind of like to tell it to my clients, like you're, you're playing a movie for yourself in your brain, right? Mm -hmm. And your brain doesn't know the difference between it being a movie and, and between real life. Exactly. exactly. We still feel all the feelings. We still think all the thoughts that are going mm -hmm. on in that movie that we would in just like real life. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So tell us what's the right way to get over an ex. Okay. <laughs> this is so good. I love it. Um, so there's two things I want to talk about. One's a more simplified concept and the other one's a little bit more complicated, but I think it's really important to talk about. So the first thing is we have to recognize that heartbreak and breakups are real. They're important. And sometimes it can be just as hard grieving someone who's still alive as it is to grieve someone who's passed away and died. Um, and telling yourself that it's, it shouldn't be this hard or telling yourself that you should be over it already. Isn't going to be helpful or useful. And I talk about, um, pain, the pain from your heartbreak is uh, necessary learning how to experience emotion, which I'm sure you is what you teach your clients, but learning how to experience an emotion, a negative emotion and not react to it, not resist it, not avoid it, but allow yourself to experience negative emotion without making it a problem. Your emotions are not problems to be solved, but they're, they're emotion experiences to be had. So being able to like have that experience of the negative emotion without making it a problem, which for me, I didn't even know was an option for so long. I would feel a negative emotion and instantly think it's a problem that I need to solve. And I need to do something about it, which was me reacting. So learning that that is going to happen, that has to happen. You're going to experience grief, loss, sadness, pain, and that is okay. But the optional part is the suffering and the suffering comes from what you're making the breakup mean about you, which is what we've touched on already a little bit, but I'm not enough. I wasn't chosen. I'm not lovable. He didn't love me at all. Um, whatever you're making the breakup mean about you is the optional part. And that's the part that I would consider suffering and you can drag that out for a really long time. If you allow your brain to continue focusing on those stories. So I think recognizing the difference between the two and learning emotional maturity, learning how to sit with negative emotions is really important when it comes to getting over your ex. Now the root cause and like the root, if you could address one specific thing, I'm going to make this as simple as I possibly can. I talk about desire. Getting over someone is really hard when we feel desire for that person. And we feel that our future is attached to that person. I had a client who was actually in high school and she, um, was dating a 
football player who is going to go on to play college football as well as NFL. I'm assuming that's what they thought at least like that was what was going on. And she was just like, I want to be someone who dates an NFL player. And if I don't date him, I'm not going to be able to be that person. And that's why she, she felt so attached. Now, the interesting thing is desire and attachment is all created through your thoughts, optional thoughts that you're telling yourself. So the way I like to explain this is with an analogy of ice cream. I've got all kinds of ice cream analogies. When I say that ice cream is my favorite food, it is so delicious. It just melts in my mouth, the ooey gooey chocolatey chunks. It's so good. I have a very high desire for ice cream versus when I say ice cream is simply sugar and milk, Mm, not as desirable. And that is like a very clear example of how thoughts create desire. And then when it comes to attachment is recognizing that your future is never attached to a specific person. So for the, the example that I was giving you earlier about the girl wanting to be the NFL wife, what's really important to recognize is if she was able to create a partner and fall in love with a partner already who was amazing at football and loved football, there is nothing saying that she won't do that again in her future. And it could be better, right? It was like, so eye-opening for her of like, oh, how many football players are there in the world? (laughs) There's a lot. And if I put myself in an environment where I was able to meet a football player, could I do that again? And would I be better at it this time? Because I've already done it before, right? And so just because, and who's to say too, that she doesn't grow up and find that that's not what she wants. And that's totally fine as well. But if that's really what she wants, there's nothing holding her back from going out and creating that, right? Because when we think about thoughts, create feelings, Those feelings fuel actions and those actions that you take create a specific result. So if she wants the result of dating an NFL football player, what are all the actions she needs to take? What does she need to feel and think about herself to be someone who meets, falls in love with, and marries an NFL football player, right? So wild, but it really comes down in my world. It comes down to the two things. It's like, reducing desire for your ex, because when you no longer have desire for your ex, being in contact with seeing this person at a party, seeing this person in the hallway at school is not going to be a problem because you're no longer, you no longer desire him and you don't feel like your future is attached to him or her. So the two things that it comes down to for my clients is we reduce desire and we reduce attachment. And we do that by addressing four pillars. And that's number one is addressing the scary stories about feeling and experiencing negative emotion, which is kind of what we just talked about being able to sit with a negative emotion Two, building a relationship with yourself. If you don't have a relationship with yourself, you're constantly second guessing your enoughness, your worthiness, your lovability. Three, creating closure and rewriting your breakup story. So closing, closing that chapter, recognizing it's just one chapter in your beautiful big book of your life. No one reads a book where we wake up happy, you're always happy, and then you die happy. There are going to be ups and downs. And just by closing this chapter doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to have an epic, beautiful chapter. So we go through like rewriting your breakup story. 
And then the last step is addressing the disempowering stories you might have about your future, right? So just because this person isn't in your life anymore, doesn't mean that the life that you dreamt up in your mind is impossible, or you can't go out and create all of that on your own. Right. Or like, yeah. Or like that, that was your only shot. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the only shot that you're going to ever have to meet the boy of your dreams is in high school. (laughs) And it's so hard. Like I, I was, again, I was thinking about this this morning. I was just like, I remember high school and your world feels so small and it feels so small because it is, it feels that way because your world is tiny. And as you're growing up, at least for myself, I can't speak for everyone, but for myself, I just saw the adults as these people who know everything, know all be all. And so if someone said, if an adult told me something, I took it and I held on to it as if it was truth for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're in such a small environment and I grew up in a very small town, so maybe this isn't everyone people who grow up in really big cities, maybe, I don't know, but their schools are still small, like compared to, you know, colleges or whatever, like you you have a limited amount of social peers that you're with every single day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's hard too, because once you set up your own personality within that school, people get to know you as a certain person and then changing your identity or changing who you want to be, it can be more difficult with people that, you know, and so it feels very small, but I think the biggest thing that I, if I could have gone back and told my high school version of myself, something, which all the adults told me this, but it's just that the world is so much bigger and have fun while you're in this experience. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be, you're not going to have any low points or any negative emotion, but recognize that the world is so much bigger And no matter who you see your future self as you will become that version of yourself, regardless of what's going on in your high school class. I love that. Such a good, it's such a good reminder. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so hard though, too. Like I, I get it. Like one thing would happen. It would feel like the whole world was over. Yeah, totally. And that, I mean, that's how teens, the teens are that I work with now, like they get their cell phone taken away and it's like, basically you might as well just like banish me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I've been banished. Ooh, I no longer exist because my yeah. cell phone has been taken away. But especially with social media, right? Like, gosh, when I was in high school, it was like late high school. Our cell phone was the Nokia phone with the snake thing. Uh-huh. On it. Uh-huh. And you had to press like each number three times to get the right letter. <laughs> Yep. I remember. (laughs) Okay. So I guess I think the next important question is how do you know if you are over someone? Oh, that's a good question. So this is different for every single person because each person has their own thing that they're struggling with or working on. And so when my clients come on and work with me, they actually define what it means to be over them for themselves. And so I'll give you some examples. I love tracking metrics. I'm a very data-driven person. So I have my clients tracking desire and attachment on a 10-point scale. So I say, how much do you desire your ex? Zero to 10. 10 being I desire him so much, zero being not at all. And they track that over a three-month time frame. I feel like my future is attached to my ex, zero to 10. 10 being 
I can't have this future without him. Zero being, I don't need anyone to have the future that I want. So those are two examples. But then some other ones that I think are pretty frequent is thinking about your ex. So I go from thinking about my ex every day, a hundred times a day to by the end of the time I want to work with you, I'm thinking about him maybe once a week or maybe even not at all, like very rarely. So how often you think about your ex, you can always measure that and see what that looks like for you. Confidence, like feeling confident in your ability to go out and create the life that you want. You're no longer stalking the social media of your ex, or maybe like you mentioned, like getting in a car and driving by his house. You no longer do that. It's very different for everyone. For me, it was really about letting go of the anger and resentment. I had zero anger and resentment. Like I didn't feel angry and resentful towards that situation at all anymore. And that's when I knew I was over my ex. Um, I just had a client actually who she was really working on. She lives in a smaller city and runs into him and his new girlfriend and his family a lot. And so she knew she was over her ex when she saw him in person in real life and wasn't scared or nervous and felt totally fine. That's how she knew she was over her ex, but it's really important to, I want to just mention, it's really important that you identify that now so that you can watch your progress over time. And I think people forget to do that. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. When one thing that you were saying is you were talking about desire and I kind of want to differentiate here is, do you think it's like actual desire for that person? Or do you think it's the desire for how you're making that person out in your brain to be almost like that perfect potential, the potential of that person? It's both because I have some clients where it's like, I desire the potential. Like I know that we could be this amazing thing or but sometimes it's real life. Like, no, he's perfect. Like I love all these qualities about this person. And we don't necessarily have to change those qualities, but we have to recognize, I love those qualities about this person, but I ultimately want a partner who has all these qualities and is dying to be with me, loves being with me, loves saying that I'm his girlfriend. That's what I really want. I don't want just the qualities. I want someone who loves being around me and has those qualities. And I, yeah, I think that there's a big difference between like, they may be the perfect person, but they're not the perfect person for you. If they're not as excited about you as you are excited about them. Right. And and that's what we do want. We want somebody to love us just the way that we love them. And those two are very, like, it's a very different experience. Um, again, because I just got engaged, I've been thinking about this a lot where someone asked me, gosh, I don't remember the exact question that they asked, but I remember saying that it's very different to be in a relationship with someone who's very excited to be with you and loves talking about the future. Like my partner now can talk to me about getting married. When I asked him, how did you know? And when did you know he had a very straightforward answer versus in past relationships, I was mocked for bringing it up. I was the, the question would be pushed off or it would be wishy-washy. And it's like, it's so much more fun to be in a relationship with someone who wants the same wants as you and loves being around you. You're not like forcing them to come do stuff with you. You're not, um, begging them to like, come spend time with you. They just do all that stuff. So much more organic and natural and so much better. The vibe is different. Yeah. And then if you ask them to like meet your parents, it's not like, whoa, what, 
<laughs> yeah. What are you assuming? I had one boy I was dating in college and I was like, Hey, my parents are in town. You want to come out to eat with us? And he like, just ghosted me. <laughs> Never heard from him again, but obviously. <laughs> right. And that kind of reminds me, rejection is redirection, right? Like clearly you didn't want to be wasting your time on that if that's how he was going to be about meeting your parents. So even though it was ghosting and that was rejection, it's still like that was redirection where you're redirected to what actually aligns to you. Yeah, totally. I was like, oh, I didn't, it's not a big deal. My parents are really nice. They'll buy you dinner. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, you're like free dinner. Why wouldn't you want that? I know, totally. For a college starving student. Yeah. Free dinner is a great thing. (laughs) So any last like little pieces of advice you would offer to teens? Um, I feel like I really said it already where I'm just like, your world feels so small sometimes. And I get that, but I want you to recognize that whatever it is that you want in your future, it could even just doesn't even have to be like five, 10 years from now can even be just next week or next month that's available to you, regardless of whether or not you're in a relationship with your ex, the relationship with your ex does not define you who you were in the relationship. Even if you didn't show up in a way that you feel proud of, that does not define who you are today. And it's really important to come back to that and remember that you're an amazing person and you're so strong and this one relationship or this one breakup, isn't going to define the rest of your life or who you are even today or tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I think one thing is just so important is like, we all do stupid stuff when it comes to relationships. I think that's just a part of like learning how to navigate relationships and you're going to make mistakes. (laughs) I mean, between you and I, I'm sure we can come up with a lot of mistakes that we both have made in relationships. Oh yes. But it's just, it's part of the journey. And I can look now and I can laugh about, you know, kind of the, the person that I was in my dating relationships and have compassion for that person. But I just think that it's just a part of the process to make mistakes, to do the wrong things, right? So that you can learn, okay, this doesn't make me feel any better. This isn't helpful, right? And that's yeah. and that's how you eventually get to a relationship that you want is by doing all those dumb things. I totally agree. Like I had and I and I think too your breakups are so important to understand where your work is, to evaluate what went well, what didn't go well, what do I want to do differently next time in my relationship? Because if I wouldn't have gone through the breakup that I told, I shared with you guys, I wouldn't know that I'm in control of my emotions. I wouldn't know that I could control my emotions, that that they weren't someone else's problem. And a very big thing that I did in my relationship was say, I need you to do X, Y, and Z so that I can feel secure in a relationship. I need you to do this and I need you to do that. And you will find a partner who naturally and organically does that, but you won't have space to accept it or even recognize that they're doing it until you learn how to create your own emotions and to be strong in your own emotions. So I can't imagine not having gone through that breakup because I wouldn't have learned that lesson. And it's so valuable to me now that it, it was totally worth the relationship. That's awesome. Like you can look back at it now and be like, thank you so much for all that you taught me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that I also think too, is, is like, I look back and I'm kind of like you where I wasn't really the break breaker upper. I was more of the broken up with, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, <laughs> where I'm just kind of like, thank you for breaking up with me. Like mm-hmm. that was, that was the most kind gift that you could have ever given me. Isn't it crazy too? Because it's so true. Like, thank you so much. That's, and it's a hard thing to do. Anyone who's actually done the breaking up with someone, it's hard. And so for them to gift that to you and to me, I'm just like, thank you so much for doing the hard thing. Right. It was easy and more comfortable to stay in that relationship that we both knew, like, wasn't exactly it. So thank you so much for figuring out a way to like break that off, even though it was hard. Yeah. Or even though you did it over the phone, right? Even though you did it the wrong way, (laughs) quote unquote, the way that I would not have. (laughs) Well, and I love how you call it a gift. Like, I really do think that, you know, when you are broken up with by somebody at some point in your life, you are going to see that that was the most beautiful gift that they could give you. Yeah. Because on the other side of it is someone who aligns with you so much better. And it's such a more fun relationship to be in. Yes. Awesome. I am so, so grateful that you came on today. Thank you so much. It was so great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Where can listeners find you? So if you love listening to podcasts, you can find mine at how to get over your ex. And I also hang out on Instagram at breakup coach Dorothy. So I would love to hang out with you there. I always love answering DMs. So if you have any questions, let me know. Okay. Awesome. Did you hear that guys? She will answer your DMS. <laughs> if you have questions on breakups. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you so, so much. So good to have you. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. If you are interested in my coaching programs for teens and their parents, check out my website, knowingup.com. That's K N O W I N G U P.com. That's K N O W I N G U P.com.